gender gaps. We see them across the world in almost every industry and aspect of our lives. But did you know that there's a gap between men and women in information itself? The vast majority of information that we have collected historically and continue to collect has been based on men. The numbers are in, sort of, and they show who we aren't counting, women and girls. Historically, women have been underaccounted for if they were considered at all. But the female information gap isn't just a problem of antiquity, it's present in the digital and non-digital world of today. Data collection is often the first step in creating almost anything, whether it's a new product or entire systems that we rely on day to day, so we end up living with technology and infrastructure designed by men for men. This is Reference Man. For decades, industries have considered this the standard human and designed the world around him. Everything from air conditioning in offices, to cars, even military equipment. We know that women today are still faced with so many inequities, but with inadequate data, a clear portrait of that is impossible to display and makes it easier for people experiencing the benefits of that inequality to deny there even is a problem. Here's our take on the female information gap in all its forms and how filling in the blanks for inclusive data will help define and facilitate gender equality. The female information gap might be a more recent term, but it's an old problem. There's a myriad of ways women's lives have not been accounted for, and one of the biggest is how history has left their stories untold. Recently, physicist Jess Wade, who, upon realizing that STEM women were grossly underrepresented on Wikipedia, began a quest to write pages for other female scientists and scientists of color, documenting their achievements and discoveries. I became really interested in ways that we could try and improve that diversity, but also try and improve the way that we celebrate and honor the incredible incredible scientists who are from historically marginalized backgrounds. Through her work, Jess hopes to not only tighten the information gap in her own field, but also to make science a more accessible and inclusive place to be. When women aren't being left out of record keeping completely, there's another way they're erased, the Matilda Effect, named for suffragist Matilda Jocelyn Gage, who pointed out back in 1870 that many women's discoveries and breakthroughs were wrongfully attributed to men. The reason behind the misattributions were simple. When men were named as the publishing author, the research and its findings were seen as more credible and important. Beyond optics, men simply didn't need and didn't want to give women credit when they could easily receive accolades and prestige for women's work within male-dominated fields. I cannot do my work effectively if I do not have all of the data and all of the information as soon as it's available. I need to be in that room hearing what you hear. The 2017 movie Hidden Figures brought this exact problem into focus, showing the challenges that Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson faced in spite of their outstanding intellectual contributions. Eventually, decades after their work to help America win the space race, they were given proper credit. NASA honored Mary Winston Johnson with a ceremony to officially rename its Washington, D.C. headquarters building after her. When history paints the picture that women weren't there, it's easier to make research for women by women seem like a niche interest unworthy of time and effort even though they account for half the population. Caroline Criado Perez, author of Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men, says that in such a framing, women are set up to be forgettable, ignorable, dispensable from culture, from history, from data, and so women become invisible. Even the device that you're probably using to watch this on, your mobile phone, that's designed to fit into men's hands rather than women's hands. And the female information gap is more than missing names and faces. Women's material, emotional, and physical well-being have been essentially ignored throughout history. Take female hysteria. Hippocrates, known as the father of modern medicine, coined the term hysterica and asserted that a woman's uterus ran around her body unchecked. 
causing physical and emotional female illnesses. This may sound ridiculous to us now, but hysteria was a widely used diagnosis for women experiencing anything from anxiety to loss of sex drive well into the 20th century. In fact, it wasn't until the 1980s when the term stopped being used by doctors as a psychological condition. Hysteria represents thousands of years of philosophers, scientists, and medical professionals misinterpreting and mistreating female patients. This, along with countless other assumptions that the female body was unworthy of analysis, led to women being misdiagnosed, diagnosed too late, or even dying from lack of research. The failure to include female bodies in design affects women's lives. It makes them poorer, it makes them sicker, and in the case of medical diagnosis, women's symptoms can often present differently than men's, causing prolonged and unnecessary suffering. I went 16 years before I was properly diagnosed. I went 10 years in pain before I was diagnosed. This is a combination of medical sexism, where women's pain or concerns with their bodies is routinely written off as attention-seeking or psychosomatic, and a lack of diagnostic criterion that includes women. You might think that we would at least have decent diagnostic criteria for health conditions that are specific to female reproductive health, but even then, the medical information is sorely lacking. When a person has endometriosis, which can cause chronic and debilitating pelvic pain and infertility, they will wait an average of eight years for the correct diagnosis. Centuries-old correlation between mental incoherence and the pelvic area is the reason for diagnostic delays in endometriosis in modern times. Essentially, we've become indifferent. Without tracking and defining the challenges women face with hard data, it's impossible to determine how serious the problem is or if we're making progress. And in the absence of equitable data, how could we even tell if and when women's problems are growing? For me, biased data means bad data, you know, and bad data basically leads into bad policies and bad uh, decisions. From developing nations to Hollywood, domestic violence to maternal mortality rates, the lack of database knowledge and historical documentation of women creates real-life damage. It shortchanges women in every way we can imagine – private and public economic resources, accurate representation, unpaid labor, even our medical care. There are several factors that can affect how a person metabolizes drugs, and these factors can vary drastically based on sex. But many clinical trials don't account for this. They often don't include enough women as test subjects. It can leave us with seemingly trivial issues, like nearly all virtual assistants having a default female voice, a feminine name, and a submissive tone in conversation. Or phones' predictive text having a bias that favors men. But it can also have more serious implications, like creating more injuries for women on the road. According to Scientific American, vehicle safety systems are designed and tested based on the default male. Remember that reference man? So they don't protect female bodies as well. When a woman is involved in a frontal car crash, she is 73% more likely to be seriously injured than a man. On average, women have fewer muscles in their neck, tend to weigh less, and are shorter than most men. So even seats and seat belts aren't made in a way that supports female bodies, making things like whiplash far more common for women than men. Even basic infrastructure like a city's snow clearing schedule can exclude and disadvantage women. Roads are more likely to be swept first and the sidewalks second. But because women are more likely to walk or use public transportation, and men are more likely to have access to a personal vehicle, women are disadvantaged by design. The snow clearing schedule was devised on data that had a gender data gap. They didn't deliberately set out to exclude women. 
they just forgot about them. In the town of Umea, Sweden, once the snow clearing schedule considered gender-specific data, people realized that the year-round number of pedestrian injuries that occurred in winter was 79%, and 69% of those injured were women. When we consider the fact that some of those women injured would have needed professional medical attention and potentially time off from work to heal, this also becomes an economic issue. All of these gaps in our technology and infrastructure are only the beginning. The same gaps can be found in research on medical care, workplace environments, and domestic violence. We know what happens when women are invisible. So what happens when they're present and accounted for? The female information gap is a complex issue, since there are so many holes in so many different aspects of our history and data, but it is a solvable problem that's slowly being tackled. Organizations like the UN and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have started tracking women's lives globally, a scale we haven't seen before. With the UN's program Making Every Woman and Girl Count, they've broken down the solution of the female information gap into three steps. One, create an environment to prioritize gender data. Two, fill gender data gaps by ensuring that quality and comparable gender statistics are produced regularly. And three, ensure that data is accessible and used to inform policy and advocacy. Women and girls are half of the world's population. They hold half of the world's human potential. When their lives are improved, the benefits will echo across society. The five-year program wrapped in 2022, and it resulted in some incredible changes. On a macro level, their program increased gender data that influenced over 20 different policies or programs, some of which created action to end violence against women, offered women economic empowerment, or even provided better COVID-19 responses. But let's look at the micro. In Vietnam, Tran Thai Quyet, a blind 60-year-old, served as the main breadwinner for her family of four people. When flooding swept across the province she lived in, she lost all of her poultry and income. Because of the data collected on vulnerable groups, UN Women was able to provide emergency cash grants to 315 flood-affected women-headed households, rebuilding their livelihoods. Tranti Quit was able to buy livestock, seeds, and fertilizer, restoring her money-making abilities. Gathering this kind of data and making progress like this is crucial because there's still so much work to be done. According to the Global Gender Gap Report of 2022, gender parity is not recovering. In fact, it will take another 132 years to close the global gender gap. Closing the female information gap is our first step toward total gender equity. Without data, we're organizing and fighting blindly. And once we have it, it's up to our elected officials to actually use that data to inform policies and create infrastructure that's inclusive of women. A world where women are part of designing and building technology is a world where women are part of shaping our future.